Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Today. Colin Lacey from the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Colin, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, Craig? Man, you know, it's a little cold here. Uh, and cold is relative to some people. It's not Indianapolis cold or Wisconsin cold or Alaska cold. But it's below 70 and I'm cold. So what we were talking before we started recording this, that it got below 85 in Statesboro for the first time since about last December. So it's, uh, it's time to pull out the parkas and everything down here. I think this is only the second time, maybe the third time we've been below 60. So, uh, but we're, we're a couple of days ahead of y'all probably when, as weather starts moving East. So, but, uh, uh, congratulations on your Braves victory. I know our, our buddy Jay Walker is probably over there crying in his beer or his bourbon or I mean, hell as, as much as they're losing right now, he might be crying in both of them. So. Hey, at least it's been two good games and it's had to be walk off. But uh, it's a good thing for Braves fans that it's been two wins because I think the tides might turn a little bit when you head out to LA. You know, it's one of those things that I looked at in uh, as a Reds fan and going, you know, it's one of the uh, I kept looking at it and say, man, it's if if the Reds were in in the Braves division, I mean, we had similar records to the up until the last two weeks. And, you know, it'd be the Braves that are sitting out and the Reds would have been in, but I don't think the Reds would have gotten as far as the Braves the Braves have. So uh, it's probably a good honest, thing we're not. Shocked the Braves have. Well, they weren't playing like it. And No, and you look at it, and for Braves fans, and you can make all kinds of excuses you want to, but you had, Soroka didn't throw a pitch this year. Travis Darno was out for the majority of the year. You lost Ronald Acuna, and I'm not going to get into that because yep. I bet strong opinions about that one but you don't have Marcelo Zuna you at the trade deadline you have to go and not only get an entire outfield you have to get the bench guy too in the outfield so thankfully Alex Anthopoulos was able to do it or this might have been completely different but it's uh it's nice not playing with a triple a outfield now <laughs> I can imagine but uh it, it, it might have been one of those things too that it just took a while to gel but at the same time you look at it, the Braves were not, I mean, even towards the end of the season, we're not, we're not that like they're playing in the playoffs. So, but yeah, we're here to talk about Sunbelt football. Uh, let's go back uh, a game that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, App State visiting Louisiana, the Cajuns roll to a 41 and 13 victory. And quite honestly, it wasn't close. It reminded me of the uh, 2015 game where the Cajuns went up to Jonesboro and totally dominated the red wolves i think they had 90 yards total going into the uh into the second half but this app state team is a team that it can be very deadly and we just didn't see that did you get a chance to watch the game yeah and it seemed like every time i looked up that it was another app state turnover and louisiana was jumping on it whether it was an interception or a fumble but this was one that we talked about it last week i thought it was going to be a good game and it Cajuns kind of made me eat my words when it was 20 to three after the first quarter, but uh, it, really good to see from Louisiana. And you really felt like it was a full four quarters from Louisiana that we talked about. You hadn't necessarily seen 
up to this point of Louisiana living up to their potential, but they definitely showed it last Tuesday. Yeah, and even towards the end of the game, if you look at App State's last three drives, their last drive was three and out, three yards. The drive before that was one and out, uh, one and uh, one and done, five yards and a fumble. Uh, before that, seven seven plays for twenty one yards. The Cajuns, um, the, I, I said at the beginning, uh, the key to the game was going to be the Cajuns' offensive line and the Cajuns' linebackers, and both of them showed up. I mean, running game. Uh, you know, the Cajuns. Uh, I'm sorry, the Cajuns had, you know, twelve of their. 12 of their 23 first downs on, on rushing plays. So very balanced attack with 12 and then nine uh, passing. Um, App State's quarterback, Chase Bryce, unusual game for him. Uh, I don't think the interceptions were necessarily his fault, but at the same time, I think it shows in college football what a non-mobile quarterback, I'll say, not a running quarterback like Georgia Southern or even Levi Lewis does it sometimes, but he wasn't mobile. It, yeah. So, I mean, I was kind of surprised to see him not perform, if that makes sense. I mean, only 133 yards, 15 of 26 through the year and had those two picks, but it just seemed like he never got into rhythm. And it's part of the reason why App State's offense never really got into any kind of rhythm. Only 78 yards rushing for App State, which is doesn't happen a whole heck of a lot. And it felt like Louisiana just took the wind out of App State's sails on both sides of the ball when you're up 20 to three after the first quarter. And it seemed like App State could never get anything going. And credit to Louisiana not letting them get any kind of momentum back. But it was a, uh, it, if you want to talk about dominant, that was absolutely dominant from Louisiana. I mean, I think you saw everything there with with long passes from Levi, short dumb offs from Levi, and then you had Montreal Johnson go 103 yards, uh, Chris Smith with 82, Imani Bailey, who still I, I I'm not going to say is the best running back on the team. I think maybe next to Chris Smith, though, maybe the most dynamic uh, that can bust things and and had you know. Seven carries, 34 yards for 4.9 average. I mean, not not a bad day at the office for the Cajuns running backs, you know, with 246 total yards. Um, fun day. Fun day. Fun fun game to watch. Yeah, I'd but imagine it's, uh, it was rocking pretty good down in Acadiana. Yeah, it, it seemed like they had a – we had a nice crowd. Uh, I know there were some, some people on Twitter that were like, well, where are all the people, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know. We do have one of the larger stadiums in the, in the Sun Belt, so it makes it look even worse when uh, when you don't have a crowd. But for Tuesday night, twenty thousand plus, I'll take it every day of the week. You know, uh, I I remember games sitting there where they have, may have announced ten or twelve thousand, but I guarantee you there was only about three or four thousand in the stands. <laughs> so we we look like Georgia State uh, as far as fans go at that point. So. Well, let's move on to the next game, a Thursday night matchup. Uh, what happened there? South Alabama, Georgia Southern. Uh, At the end of the day, South Alabama came out, punched Georgia Southern in the mouth. They're up 10 nothing after the first quarter, and it was, it was on after that. Georgia Southern couldn't get anything going, either on the ground, through the air. The defense was 
suspect to say the least. And it was just a tough day for Georgia Southern. And you felt like it was going back to the Troy game two weeks ago where the first half was not good by any stretch of the imagination. And in the second half, Georgia Southern woke up and it was more of a game. They came back to tie Troy at one point before they kicked the game-winning field goal with about a minute left. But you never saw anything really get going for Georgia Southern. South Alabama, I think, was a little ticked off after starting 0-2 in conference play, partially thanks to the Cajuns and that one. But it was it was absolutely rough. It was 31-8 to at halftime. And then after that, South Alabama just kept the kept the foot on the throttle, and it was nothing that Georgia Southern could do about it. Do you think the game is a, 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 a an enigma or a microcosm of the season so far, or do you think this is something that Georgia Southern can bounce back from? I think this is a good time with Georgia Southern having an off week this week, and so with the Thursday game followed by an off week, you got 16 days in between games. And I think it comes at kind of the perfect time for Georgia Southern. Coach Whitley talked about it after the game that he was going to find 22 guys that want to play Georgia Southern football. And so I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of hitting this week at, uh, at practice with the off week. And then I think you might see a couple of changes, whether it be personnel or whatever it might be, coming up next week when Georgia Southern has their next game on October the 30th against uh, Georgia State. Well, as an interim coach, he's got nothing to lose. So, I mean, yeah. he, he make changes and and then more than likely he – I shouldn't say more than likely. I don't know what your athletic director is thinking. But more than – I think more than likely he's not going to be the head coach next year. So, what does he have to lose uh, if he goes yeah, I mean, out? Yeah, and you saw part of that in the second half. Cam Rain, some of the freshman quarterback, takes over for Justin Tomlin. And the numbers don't necessarily tell the tale for Cam Ransom. He has been absolutely – phenomenal throughout camp and had to come in against FAU and be the starting quarterback but he just goes two for 12 with 63 yards but you throw in four or five drops into that where because Cam Ransom has an absolute cannon for an arm he's probably the best throwing quarterback that Georgia Southern has seen in a long time but he can make any throw on the field and truthfully the receivers just weren't ready for it and he's zipping it in there and it just goes straight through the hands and they turn like whoa what is this and so it wouldn't be surprising to see Cam Ransom going forward. I mean, you, we've talked about Dustin Tomlin yep. a lot on here, but it wouldn't surprise me at this point in the season if you see Cam Ransom a little bit more. Well, you know, it's one of those things, if you, if you look at it, it, like you said, the two for 12, I, I was able to watch a little bit of the game. He does look like a, a good quarterback in the, the drops. And not only that, he was sacked four times, so there was getting a lot yeah. of pressure on him. That doesn't help. Uh, when you're when you're running for your life a lot of times people don't realize I mean if you look strictly at the numbers look all the way across look at the sacks that uh, that that was uh I'm sure there's a lot of pressure there so well at the end of the day it was it, it was all Jaguars and uh, not much we can say uh, about that unfortunately for the Sun Belt there were two blowouts during the week but uh, to a couple of good uh, good games on Saturday uh, we'll start out with Texas State and Troy. I don't know how much you got to watch at that. Honestly, I did not. It was on the TV, but I was working, uh, painting, uh, and I did not uh, get to see a lot of that game. Uh, but um, your thoughts? Did you get to see any? What? 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 What's going on there? Help me out. 
didn't get to see a whole heck of a lot of it, but looking at it yesterday and then earlier this morning, it, the big thing that it comes down to is Brady McBride, quarterback for Texas State with three interceptions. Yeah, he had three touchdown passes as well and 279 yards, but the three interceptions are what really killed Texas State. As you look deeper into the numbers, they also lost the fumble, and so you're sitting at minus three or minus four, rather, in the turnover, and you're not going to win a whole lot of games. You're probably not going to keep a whole lot of games as close as it was with 31-28 for Troy. But I was kind of surprised to see Troy give up that much offense to Texas State because we talked about it after Georgia Southern saw him two weeks ago. That's one of the fastest defenses that I've ever seen in the Sunbelt Conference. But being able to do what they did against Troy, again, throwing the ball 279 yards through the air, only 91 yards rushing, but Brock Sturges with almost 50 yards in a game. I was kind of surprised to see Troy give up that many points uh, but we're able to score the touchdown in the fourth quarter to to seal it. Yeah, I think the the interceptions and that's and it and uh, three of them and it seemed like every time I looked up that was happening. Texas State was coming off the field. I rewinded to see what happened. I'm like uh, another interception. I'm going like uh, you're not going to win many games with three interceptions. Although to Texas State's credit, I, I saw them also bounce back a couple times after they let Troy score. Uh, on a short field, they came back. Uh, they had a 75-yard, I believe it was a touchdown pass from uh, McBride. So it, it, it's uh, it's it. Texas State has the tools. I think they just yeah. need to put it together, and that's what scares me because the Cajuns still have to play them coming up. You know, and we've talked about it. It's which Texas State team are you going to get? With they've got the pieces. And Jake Spavadon in his third year has had to completely overhaul this roster pretty much of having different guys in different spots. And you're trying to figure out that where these pieces fit. You know you have the pieces for the puzzle. It's just where they all fit to kind of make the picture. But when they figure it out, this could be a deadly team. It's just it's taken them a while to figure it out. And you've seen flashes of it, but you haven't seen necessarily a complete put together for them. Yeah, when the uh, it, it's one of those things. The Cajuns have never lost to Texas State, so it's one of those things that I keep looking at. It's kind of like when we were on our long win streak against ULM in baseball. I think it got up to like thirty-one games every year. I'd look at it. I know we're going to lose to ULM at some point. I know we're going to lose to Texas State at some point. But every every year, I'd go, "Not this year, please. Not this year." <laughs> so, uh, and I, I think that for the Cajuns to continue to rule, they're they're, they're going to. And I'm sure Texas State will be up for them, knowing, uh, knowing a that they've they've never beat the Cajuns, and b uh, it's homecoming for the Cajuns, which I know they'd love to spoil. So, final game of the week, though uh, I don't know how much you got to see of this. I, I actually I sat down and had it on the TV. Had a lot of it going on there. Uh, Liberty and ULM. I mean. Uh, our friend Nick White up there, I'm hoping to have him on later on today or tomorrow just to talk about that victory and their victory over Troy. I wanted to have him on after that game, but it just didn't work out for me. But, man, what a huge win for ULM. And who, who would have seen this coming? Uh, not me, I can tell you <laughs> that much. But this is a big win for ULM. And I think it kind of speaks volumes to what uh, Coach Bowden's doing down at ULM. We've talked about him the last couple of weeks especially. But 
And for a ULM team that has kind of been suspect as far as the defense goes, you're down 14 nothing and a half, and everybody kind of thinks, okay, well, Liberty's not necessarily doing everything they need to do, but they're taking care of business. Well, you come out and hang 28 unanswered in the third quarter if you're ULM, and you're thinking, whoa, what's going on here? Liberty takes the takes the lead back in the fourth quarter, and you're driving. Then Coach Bowden's kind of forced with a decision. What do you do? You kick a field goal that ended up being 53 yards. I was shocked you at that I was, too. And so <laughs> – I was actually watching that game all the way back from working the game for Westwood one up in Athens. And I was like, and I, in my head, cause they called about seven different timeouts. It seemed like, yep. and had a lot of time to think about it. Initially the offense goes out there and I'm like, okay, well, fourth and five or six, whatever it was. I was like, you probably got to go for it because ULM is not necessarily known for the kicking game. And then after all the timeouts, here comes Callum Sutherland. I'm like, oh, this is – he had already missed one earlier in the game, and it was going to be – I think it was career long. I think I heard Mike Hammett saying on the ESPN right. Plus broadcast. And But he comes out, and he absolutely drills it. And it would have been good from probably 60, it looked like. But uh, that that takes some, some gumption to be able to trot him out there and then – especially the defense, because, again, ULM has not necessarily been known for their defense the last couple of years, at least not in a good way. But to come out and pick Malik Willis off, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the country, pick him off for the third time to seal that one up with about a minute left, that uh, that's a huge win for ULM. And I know, talking to Mike, talking to Nick earlier on this weekend, that, uh, that that's a big one down in Monroe. Oh, I think it's huge. You know, and like you said, that they, they it's third and 18 after a couple of losses on, on the, on the plays. And then all of a sudden they pick up 12 yards to make it fourth and six. So at, at third and 18, you, well, first of all, you're out of field goal range. So, you know, you got to get enough yards to at least do something with your kicker. Like, like you said, uh, Mike call it right there. Uh, it's the longest one, but man, the, the whole game, I was texting friends. I'm like, okay, you and ULM's hanging with uh, Liberty. And then the next five minutes later, I'm like, whoops, it's 14 nothing. Uh, I said, ULM doing their thing now. Uh, they're down 14. And then the second half, to start the second half, was just mind boggling how uh, they were able to do that. Yeah. This one blows my mind. I, I... I never saw this coming from a million miles away. And we talked about it last week, how I hoped that it was going to happen because Georgia Southern and Liberty are not necessarily uh, best friends, but yep. it, uh, this one blows my mind. I, I don't know. Well, the Cajuns will head up to, uh, uh, is it Lynchburg or Roanoke or somewhere up there, wherever they are and uh, play Liberty uh, in, in uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. So it was an interesting game. That's why I wanted to watch it. Uh, um, I my thought is uh, it, it scares me at first because uh, again, Liberty has a, a mobile quarterback and uh, Cajuns uh, normally struggle a little bit against that. So, but that's uh, a few weeks away. So, let's take our break now. Uh, you're listening. We're talking with Craig Melanson and Colin Lacey of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. 
Welcome back into We're Talking. Craig Malonso and Colin Lacey of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. Uh, Colin, uh, to me, lots of exciting football still coming up but uh, in there. But let's look at the standings real quick. You got Coastal Carolina at 2-0, uh, Troy 2-1, App State and Georgia State at 1-1, and and then Georgia Southern 1-3. Um, you know, it's still early to look. I mean, Louisiana at three and zero, Texas State at one and one, South Alabama at one and two, ULM at one and two, and Arkansas State at zero and two. I don't. Well, I would say there's not any surprises there, but I think uh, first of all, ULM with a uh, with with a uh, the conference win and 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 then the the game against Liberty. But any surprises to you on where where the season has started in the Sun Belt? Um. We talked about it a little bit. The only, I guess the only real surprise to me is Arkansas State on the west side being 0-2 to start, 1-5 overall. Um, at the beginning of the year, that would have been a surprise. But after seeing them, I'm not necessarily all that surprised. And I know that sounds kind of harsh, but we talked about it after the Georgia Southern-Arkansas State game. But it's an Arkansas State defense that has the talent. They just have no interest whatsoever in tackling, um, which is kind of important for a defense. Yeah. But outside of that, I guess you would say the fact that Texas State is still second in the West. I know they've only played two games, um, but Texas State and South Alabama being two and three in the West, I think they're a little bit more ahead of schedule that we kind of thought at the beginning of the year. And we've talked about that a couple of times throughout the throughout the season, but the East doesn't necessarily surprise me all that much in the grand scheme of things. I think everybody would have thought that Coastal and App would have been at the top, and I know Troy's two and one. App State's played one less game, so I don't know how much stock you can put into Troy being second, but I think you would have thought it would be Coastal, App, then Troy, and then Georgia Southern, Georgia State kind of duking it out for that four and five spot. So, I mean, not a whole lot of not a whole lot of surprise on that side. Yeah, I, I think there the only surprises that you would uh, would have expected was that Troy would be three and zero. Their loss was to ULM, you know, who's who is not his. I guess Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know, man. I mean, they beat Troy and they beat Liberty. I mean, Liberty's a a, a good football team. Uh, South Alabama, like you said, I think has. Uh, uh, he, they're they're one and two in conference play, four and two overall. But if if coming up, they've got ULM, uh, they've got Arkansas State, um, and then they've got Troy, which uh, they always play well at Troy. So I mean, yeah. you're you're looking there. All of a sudden now, out South Alabama can be seven and two overall and four and two in conference play. So uh, interesting to me. But uh, this week's schedule. Um, got the big one. First thing, uh, going out Wednesday night, I have not looked at, uh, which I'm sorry, I probably should have pulled up not only the line in that game with Coastal Carolina and App State, but to see if there are any other teams playing that day. Um, right now the line is sitting at three and a half for Coastal, which to me is a little bit light, but they are away. They are on the road, and they are the only game on okay. Wednesday night. Well, um, I, I think I, honestly, I, I, 
So you think Coastal should be favored by more? Yeah, I mean, especially after the performance that App State had against Louisiana last week. And I know it's playing on a Tuesday night, so things get all kinds of out of whack as far as schedules go when you play on a Tuesday. But I think this is one that App State tries to bounce back in. I just don't know how much you're going to be able to do it against Coastal Carolina. Um, I think ideally for Appalachian State and really ideally for the Sun Belt, this is a really good game that comes down to a last possession touchdown, a last possession field goal, whatever it might be. But I think as far as the conference goes, you want this one to be a really good game. One, because it's the battle for the top of the East and the Sun Belt Conference, but also like we talked about, you had two lopsided games in conference play last week on national television in the midweek, and you want to show the competitiveness for the uh, for the league on the midweek and jumping ahead, but that Louisiana game and Arkansas State out in Jonesboro, I don't know how competitive that one's going to be, and so you hope this one is one that comes down to a, a last-second field goal, a last-second touchdown, or even last possession, but a, this is one you need to be competitive. Well, I'm torn as a Cajun fan because um, – Yeah, you hate both of them. Yeah. And <laughs> and uh, where do we go? I mean, I, I, part of me says App State, let App State get the victory. That way, whoever wins the East has to come to us. Uh, the other part of me says let's like Coastal win out. Let's let the Cajuns win out and finally play that championship game and uh, go over there and punch Coastal in the face, the little chickens, and uh, let them run around with their COVID Carolina uh, mask on and everything else, the scared little bitches they are. But, hey, uh, part of me wants, wants App State to win so we can host. But, hey, what do I know? Well, well heck, when you put it like that, I hope Coastal Carolina wins so y'all go up there, and I want to be there when that happens. <laughs> We'll have you up. It'll be a fun day. So, all right, let's move on. I know we talked about it, and there's really not a whole <laughs> lot to say. Louisiana at Arkansas State. I'm sorry. This is, you know, Red Wolves and Cajuns have traditionally been a great rivalry game. Uh, even when both were playing bad, they played good. They played good football against each other when both were playing. You know, there aren't a whole lot of blowouts there, but. I got to believe this is going to be another blowout. I'm sorry. Like you said, our, our friend, uh, oh, shit. Uh, Gerald Broussard likes this, likes uh, his comment is uh, snakes don't tackle, meaning you can't tackle without arms, you know, and that's Arkansas State doesn't know how to wrap up. And quite honestly, that was the Cajuns problem the first two, two, three games of the year. They never tackle. I mean, they weren't tackling. They were trying to knock people over. And uh, snakes don't tackle. So Arkansas State, unless they, they learn how to tackle, they're not going to be in the game at all. Yeah, no, I would be surprised if this is any kind of game out in Jonesboro. I mean, Louisiana showing what they can do last week against Appalachian State. And outside of some major letdown, just coming off the high of beating App State for Louisiana, I think this is one that they, they run away pretty easily because, again, Arkansas State cannot tackle. They, they won't do it. And it's – they don't have the offense to be able to hang with a Louisiana if you can't tackle Louisiana. Yeah. The, uh, the Cajuns are favored by 17. I think that's a, to me, that's an easy bet. 
but um, uh, it, it's one of those things that Billy Napier has never lost to a West opponent. I am hoping that in the second half that we see a lot of Cajun reserves in there and uh, in, in getting some reps and in, in seeing what they can do. Uh, it, it, I'm, I'm, for Cajun fans, I think this is going to be a fun game. So, especially after the, the stress of the last couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, y'all are due for a, for a good little kind of coast through it. Yeah, just, and I won't say going through the motions because that's what it felt like we were doing at the beginning of the season, but going through the motions with our second team in there. So, uh, Texas State, Texas State at Georgia State. Again, the, uh, the battle of the enigmas. Which team shows up for both of them? Uh, I know for both of us, we're not fans of Georgia State for various, for probably for different reasons, but at the same time, we, we, we hate them all the same. Uh, I, man, I'm hoping Texas State, I, and I really thought Texas State had the opportunity to beat Troy. And from standing on the west side, looking over at the east, as a, you know, you're on the east looking at the west, I want the west teams to win to, to show that, you know, that, hey, the Cajuns aren't just, uh, in, the, in the last couple of years, let's face it, the West has not been very good, and the Cajuns have dominated for that reason. And uh, it's always, some have felt that the Cajuns had an easier time than the, the teams on the East. But I don't think that's necessarily the same this year. No, and this is one that, it's a pretty evenly matched game, I think. Um, we talked about it with, Georgia State trying to figure out who their quarterback is going to be. Um, the line sitting at 10.5 for yeah. Georgia State right now, which I think is a little high. Um, hopefully, this is one that – hopefully, this is one that's a lot better of a game than it looks like on paper is going to be. Um, I would love for this to be the game that Texas State puts it all together and just goes to Turner Field and – shuts that train horn up but uh i I don't know i think this is going to be a pretty good game and uh it'll be kind of interesting to see because georgia southern still has to play both of these teams coming up in the next few weeks georgia state being the next one next week at home and then go to texas state in a couple weeks but uh i don't know like i I really hoped i really hope texas state does it but I don't know the, the backup quarterback Granger for I, I call him a backup. It's whether he's a backup or a starter between him and Quad Brown. I don't know what to think of them, considering they don't know which quarterback they're going to go with. I, Granger is definitely the guy that's produced better for them. Quad Brown is the one that's got the experience, and so it's which one they go with is which team shows up. It seems like. Yeah. I think Georgia State at ten and a half is 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 way high, but then again, uh, what do I know? I've picked almost every game wrong this year. So, <laughs> uh, South Alabama at ULM uh, again. Um, if if beginning of the season, I think this is a cakewalk for South Alabama, but at the same time, now ULM seems to have found some life. Uh, South Alabama is favored by thirteen and a half. They're playing in Monroe, though. Uh, and we saw what happened with Liberty going into Monroe. So, ugh. your thoughts, your prayers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, this is one that I think South Alabama still should be able to handle after seeing them last week. 
but I don't know that it's going to be necessarily the walk away that you expected it to be at the beginning of the year. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a game. I would expect it to be right around a two-score game for South Alabama. So it's one that you have to leave your starters in the entire time, but it's not one that's necessarily in doubt at any point in the game, if that makes any sense at all. Yep, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think the 13-and-a-half that the line is for South Alabama right now, even though they're on the road, I think that's probably about right. And obviously the people out in the desert are a lot more smarter than I am, but it, uh, I think that's about right. Yeah, I think so too. Um, well, again, uh, it, it'll be interesting if I'm able to get to talk to Nick this week and uh, get his perspective on, on the game coming up as well. Um, um one thing you say is that at the Bowdens are winners, man. And they, they, uh, he's been and and Terry in particular has been a winner. He, he's turned programs around everywhere he's gone. And I, I wasn't too sure to think about what to think about of his comments at, um, media days, some conference media days. Cause he said, you know, Hey, this is my last hurrah. I'm not looking for another job. And I'm going like, well, do you really want a coach that that's coming here to retire? But right. it doesn't look like he's ready to retire. No. And I love the whole shirt and tie thing on the sideline. Yep. Kind of a throwback to a Joe Paterno type deal, but it, uh, different yeah. error. He's yeah. He's somebody that meeting him at media day. He's somebody that you cheer for. And we've talked about it. it. Your conference is a lot better when you don't have a somebody you beat like a drum every year and everybody does it. Yeah. And so if ULM is able to get something going, and I'm not saying they're going to run the West by any stretch of the imagination, but if they're competitive and they're middle of the pack, that just makes the conference better. I totally agree with you there. I, I, I don't pull for them hardly. Uh, I was kind of, uh, not kind of, I was pulling for them against Liberty, though, and it's kind of strange, those teams that, and uh, there's not many teams, and I, I don't know, I don't dislike them as much as I dislike Georgia State, or I dislike COVID Carolina, but they're right up there, so, uh, but hey, it's fun, it's all good, uh, they beat us, you know in baseball for the first time in five years or actually probably eight years. I don't know what it's been. So anyway, uh, final thoughts. You guys are off this week. Good week to be off. It looks like, I think for you after the yeah, last week, it'll be nice to get and you spread the games out. You've got a Wednesday, a Thursday, two Saturdays. That's a two and a seven. You can spread it all out. You yep. get all your Sunbelt conference action in one week and, be able to uh, watch a little bit of everything. And it's, uh, I think this is one where you're going to start to see the conference kind of separate into where everybody's going to be towards the end of the year, especially with the coastal app game. And if Louisiana is able to take care of business with Arkansas state, I think it kind of puts them even more so in the driver's seat in the West. Um, so I think this is a weekend where you start to see more of that separation as you go down the backstretch. Yeah, I, I agree with you, too. I mean, it, it's a fun time of the year right now. I'm getting into all that. Uh, I'm going to throw something at you here, a little bit off base. You've been listening to Craig Malonso on, on We're Talking with Colin Lacey, the Georgia Southern Sports Network. But I'm going to throw it off here. I'm going to change totally up prediction here for you, though. Uh, who's the World Series? 
Not who, who you want. Not who you want. Because I think oh. I, I know you want the Braves. You're a Braves fan, which I'm. I'm, and and, but it, it you you are also a realistic guy though that that can uh, that you won't let your 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 loyalty, I guess, uh, cloud your judgment. So your thoughts. But before, you know, before you answer that, is it three games okay. in L.A. or is it going to be two, two, one, one, one? I no, think it, I, yeah, I think it's three in L.A. Um, because you've got the yeah, so you got game one and game two. The Braves are we're at home. Three, four, five are in L.A. and then yeah. six and seven come back to Atlanta. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Okay, correct. So. I think the Braves really need to get this game three coming up tomorrow. You've got Charlie Morton. You set up your rotation to where Morton goes in game three, so you don't have to have Ian Anderson go game three. And it wasn't the greatest thing ever for him to go game two, but it ended up being a Braves win and walk-off, and I don't really care how it happens as long as you get the W. But I think this is going to be a really good pitching matchup with Charlie Morton and Walker Bueller. You have no clue what you're going to do for game four. No clue whatsoever if you're going to bring Ian Anderson back since he only went an inning plus yesterday. You've got to have game three, and then you're trying to get it back to game six um, when you get back to Atlanta. I think if Braves can take one from L.A. out in L.A. over Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think the Braves will go to the World Series. Obviously, you go up what would be 3-0, 3-1, and we saw how that worked last year with the Braves and Dodgers, but it, uh, I don't know. The Dodgers, and we've talked about it before, for whatever reason, the Dodgers are a completely different team than they were last year. Last year, they were just absolutely dominant, yeah. and it's odd to say that the Dodgers won 20 more games than the Braves, and the Braves have home field advantage in the series, <laughs> but it, I don't know. I'm not as intimidated by the Dodgers as I was last year and it's you've got Scherzer and Trey Turner that came over at the trade deadline and they've been phenomenal for them. But I think the Braves, after they got the walk-off win yesterday, I felt a lot more confident for the Braves to go to the world series than the Dodgers, just because I haven't been that fully impressed by the Dodgers. I mean, they've got the, they've got the studs. Don't get me wrong, but yep. And, and then the other side, I don't know. Like I haven't, this is one that's a toss-up. I would like to see the Astros in it, but just because I'm not a huge Red Sox guy, so I mean, I'm... I'll pick the Braves and Astros. Okay. But the AL, that could go either way. I have zero clue. Yeah. Especially with the series going back to Boston for three, tied 1-1. Well, I think the, that tells me uh, Boston's in the driver's seat, in my opinion, there, uh, even though because it, it's 1-1. Uh, but uh, going back to the Dodgers-Braves, I, in my opinion, for the Braves to get to the World Series, they have to go up 3-0 or 3-1. If, the, if they let the Dodgers win the first two games, even if they take the third game, I think the Dodgers are, are poised there, in my opinion. I think you got to step on their throats. you got to step on it early. Uh, I, I think, and I, I could be wrong, but I think the series going back to Boston, uh, that, that could be the end of that series. They may never get back to Houston. So, yeah, I, 
yeah, I don't know. I could see it going either way. If Houston's able to get one, I think they're – if Houston gets one in Boston, I think it's Houston going to the World Series. Because yeah. if they get it back to Houston, then it's fine. If Boston takes the first two, I think Boston goes to the World Series. Yeah. So, well, good time. Thank you. I know I threw a, threw a, threw a little monkey wrench in there at the end, but we're baseball guys at heart, and we're going to talk baseball at any chance we get. So, no doubt about it. Uh, look forward to it, Colin. We'll talk again next week. Uh, you've been listening to We're Talking with Craig Melanson and Colin Lacey. Hey, enjoy your week off. Watch some football, man. Oh, no doubt. Watch some baseball. Watch some football. It's going to be a good week. Oh, I always have a football game on one TV and a baseball game on the other TV. <laughs> and uh, we, were, we were joking. I think it was Wednesday night. I'm like, there's no football or no baseball last week. And, you know, coming off the high <laughs> of the Cajuns victory over App State, I'm more like, what am I going to do? This is sad. <laughs> yeah, you got a baseball game on one TV, a football game on the other one. That's what you call good living. Yeah. All right. Be safe, my brother. We'll talk later. Thanks, Greg. Thank you.